The following podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. A fetus can have rights. I don't have a problem with that. You can believe life begins any time that you would like. What matters is that you can't make people use their body to keep someone else alive. This is not ethical. You cannot give a right to a fetus that no other human has, which is the right to use someone else's body without express and ongoing consent. How you feel about abortion and whether you would have one is really irrelevant to this discussion. I'm 50 now and I had my abortion when I was 18. I was pretty young. I was 21 and I was in a relationship that wasn't very serious per se. And I can still remember sitting there in utter horror and every thought was obliterated by the, the shame and the shock and the panic. And all I could think about was how do I get myself out of this terrible mess as quickly as possible and I had an abortion within the hour. I didn't take time to think about it. I made the decision out of fear. Fear of embarrassment, fear of the neighbors finding out, fear of the people that I went to school find out about, my friends find out. The decision was made out of fear. This podcast is generated by those who believe there is another alternative to what our culture teaches and thinks. We believe the truth that people want to hear is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. In a study of post-abortive women, it was clear that five years after having an abortion, over 95% of the women in a landmark University of California, San Francisco study said it was the right decision for them. Pew Research Center, however, has conducted many surveys about abortion over the years. In a center survey, 62% of U.S. adults said that the practice should be legal in all or most cases, while 36% said it should be illegal in all or most cases. The CDC says there were 620,000 abortions nationally in 2020. However, Guttmacher's national total for 2020 was 930,000. That's a 1.5 increase. So even abortion reporting agencies have differing stats as to the number of abortions that happen each year in the United States. Another survey said that 7 in 10 women who have had abortions identify as Christians, according to a 2015 LifeWay research study sponsored by CareNet, a nonprofit organization supporting pregnancy centers across North America. The 70% of women who had had abortions self-identify as Christians include Catholics at 27%, Protestants 26%, non-denominational at 15%. What is interesting on these statistics is that 36% of Christian women who have had abortions regularly attend church. Pew Research also found that only 4% of churches preach on abortion, and then it's not repeated too often. I think the words that disturbed me the most in those statistics is these words, it was the right decision for them. Today on Thinking Out Loud, I will talk with a woman who'd had an abortion several years ago and will ask that question, 
Was it the right decision for you? However, before I begin to introduce Liz Tater to you, I want to set up this scenario of what brought this podcast about. Pastor Walt McFadden from City View Church in South Minneapolis preached a sermon and ended on making comments about how evil some of our institutions have become and cited the state of Minnesota on their aggressive abortion laws granting abortions up to the time of birth. Following his remarks, our guest, Liz Tater, came to the pulpit and addressed the congregation by giving her testimony about her experience with abortion. So, Liz, I want to thank you for your boldness and your courage in that moment. I have to admit that I was encouraged by what you had to say. As you know, you are not alone for the statistics, if they're correct. By LifeWay, 7 out of 10 Christian women have had abortions. So, Liz, here is the question. Was it the right decision for you? Absolutely not. That really, yeah, that floored me too when you read that stat. It points to how much the enemy is a deceiver and how much deception is around this of it being the right decision. And again, I'm going to touch on that later, but I would say all in all, it was definitely not the right decision. And even 10 years ago, I would have said that it wasn't. I knew in my heart of hearts because I had grew up in the church walked away from the Lord, grew up in a very, very strong Christ community. And I walked away from the Lord when I was 18. I knew the truth. The truth was hidden in my heart. I was in a lot of denial and I surrounded myself with people that quote unquote supported my decision in that. And so it kind of made me feel better and kind of covered up the, I would say the pain of the decision and the pain of, of murder. And because it's, it's outright murder and it's grievous to the heart of God, and it's grievous to the woman, too. It's very, very traumatic in all aspects, and I knew it wasn't the right decision at the time. It's interesting to me to hear that women say that, that it was the right decision, because I would say that I knew it didn't feel right. I would say that there was still, you know, thank God that the truth was still hidden in me, but definitely was not the right decision, and I would I stick by that today. Well, I'm wondering, Liz, how you dealt with the idea that you knew it was wrong. You're using some pretty strong language. It's murder. So how do you wrestle with that inside of you 10 years later? Right. I was not who I am today. The Lord has completely changed me, and I, and I have been on the road of true sanctification for many years now, for for several years after that, when I came back to Christ in my early 20s. And I would say that pinpointing that the root of it was just complete selfishness. Mm -hmm. It was, I didn't want to face the embarrassment of people seeing me pregnant. I didn't want to face the questions. I, 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 me, 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 I didn't want to deal with those things. And so I think why I'm able to, you know, go through the healing process today and not necessarily be okay with it, with what happened, but to kind of just dissect, okay, what was Liz Royce, my, you know, my maiden name at the time, what was Liz Royce thinking in 2012 when that happened? And I think, well, I mean, I wasn't really thinking, I was thinking in the, the enemy had taken a hold of my mind at that point, but it was very much just based off of selfishness and what I felt like I needed to happen for my life right now because I I felt like I couldn't handle the repercussions of becoming pregnant because I had gone to to New Life, New Life Ministries, and I had gone there and I was ready to give the baby up for adoption. I My plan wasn't even to keep the baby mm -hmm. after I had given birth to it, but I just didn't want to. I was very selfish. I didn't want to have to deal with that. To get pregnant, have to deal with postpartum, have to deal with labor, have to lose friends, not be able to party anymore. So just 
that's how I kind of reason with it, why I did it, but not, you know, it's a little bit of an explanation, not an excuse. And so to know that was where kind of my heart and head was at at the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. Okay, so 10 years later, obviously your life has changed and the Lord made those changes in your life. Yet you stood up in front of 250 people and you just boldly proclaimed you had an abortion. It was the wrong decision, as you've been saying. So what made you do that? I mean, you wouldn't have to expose that to all your Christian friends, your pastor and all of the elders of the church. Why did you do that? That's a yeah, that's a good question. I actually was three years ago before my son was born was the first time that I publicly proclaimed my abortion in front of a church congregation. And the Holy Spirit really just moved on my heart. And he said, this is part of your healing is for you to come up and say something. And you're going to notice how much of a release that you will have. And so originally going back to that first time that I shared in front of I was at a prayer room in Dallas, Texas, and I shared and God totally moved on my heart. I was in tears. My friend was holding me and I could just feel my the beginning of, not the beginning, but the beginning of that part of my heart healing with publicly sharing. And so it was kind of a way where the Lord is saying like, hey, it's time for you to kind of to bring this to the light, even on, an, on the next level, because he's been showing me too, that he wants to do some things with this more than just you know, more than just tell some friends. For instance, this podcast is happening and I think that the Lord wants to start some type of ministry. So I think the more exposure that this gets, the more that I am allowed to heal, but then now other women are allowed to heal. Two women have already come to me from church and said the same thing has happened to them. And one hasn't even shared really publicly with anyone. And so it's a double-edged sword where it's healing for me and it's healing for for others and for other women and even men that have been a part of it too. And then the last thing of why I think it's important to share is because I felt a prompting again from the Holy Spirit because it's not always, it's very specific when I do. And I just felt that he was saying, you need to go up and you need to nail in the coffin with what Walt was saying about this to the church. And it's going to be very important and very impactful. And I was very nervous. And I am each time just because it's a, it's a big deal. Like you said, it's like, wow, okay. She said that. And a lot of people were very appreciative and I had all positive on that. So I worked with a ministry for many years called Cradle My Heart. Kim Jeffries was her name, and I was amazed for the first time when we would do interviews like we're doing today and with women who have had abortions 20 or more years ago, and the emotions that would come out were amazing. They were crying, and now we're talking about Christian women now. We're not talking people who were not Christians, and I kept asking Kim, I said, why after so many years that there wasn't this grace and mercy that these women would have received? And she said, well, it's a very deep, deep thing, and it's not yeah. easily dealt with. So when you think about you being a Christian, you were a Christian or you were raised in a Christian home, let me put it that way, and Lifeway survey said that seven out of 10 abortions were done by women who identified as Christians. What does that say to you? Honestly, I think it says to me, one, I think that there's been wounds in the in the family and, mm -hmm. and voids in the women to have gone down that path. Mm -hmm. And then I think that there's just a ton of deception as far as the enemy blinding them to the reality of it, of the decision. And then I think also that a lot of people say that they're they're Christians and they're really not. I think that that's a huge part of that is how many are really living, have taken up their cross mm -hmm. and really have counted the cost of 
following Christ, a sold out life for Christ. I think that the path is is narrow, and I don't think that all seven of those ten women really are on the narrow path right now. No, I would agree with that. I think everyone identifies, well, what religion are you? Well, I'm Christian. Well, that doesn't mean a lot if you don't have, as you say, uh, picking up your cross. But again, LifeWay talked about 4% of churches are the ones that are talking about abortion on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis, whatever. But 4%, that's 96% of churches don't say a word about abortion. So how does that fit in with people who are sitting there, not only the ones that are thinking about abortion, but those that have had an abortion. Where's the grace and the mercy that they need to hear coming from the pulpit, coming from our Christian leaders, so that they can be feeling like God isn't going to hold us against them all of their lives? You know what I'm saying? So 4%. Absolutely. So what would you say to women, for example, Liz, sitting in the congregation, how can they help churches become a little bit more proactive in the message of not having an abortion? What would you say to them? I think they need to speak up. And I think they need to go to the pastor and say something. And the reason why that this is not mentioned in church is because people are so fixated on this being a political topic. But that is not the root of this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And this is the a very prime example of that, that this is something that is completely, it's a spiritual matter. And the Lord has spoke to me that where this is going to be primarily solved and where he's going to start to move is in prayer. Mm -hmm. It's not even really at the booths. The booths are the booths are important. And I think that they're so stuck on red and blue and pastors are too. And especially here in the States, they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to say anything. And so that's why I was just so proud and just pleased with Walt and just wanted to come alongside and undergird that message with some support by going and speaking up. And so I think that if either they speak up in a tandem in support of their of their pastor and their leaders, or they need to come to leadership, and that might take a while for them to get there. They might not be even at that process. But sure. I think that there is healing in all areas, your life and the lives of others by speaking up. And that could be just start by you telling a friend. That's how I started. But the enemy works in darkness, and when we conceal things in Ephesians, there's a verse that talks about bringing things to the light, and um, it needs to be brought to the light in some way. Well, I encourage you. I, I sat there, and I thought, wow, Liz, good for you. You had the courage and the strength to get up and say the things you said, and that's the beginning, I think, of something that could be really a wonderful ministry. Let me transition just a little bit. When you sure. went through your journey of your pregnancy prior to or after, let's just say after you had the abortion, what what kinds of things were helpful to you? I mean, were would people say things to you or prayed for you? What, what were positive things that came alongside of you during this post-abortion? time. Yeah, I would say just reaffirming that it's not who I am, that that was I was a completely different person then. And this is a constant reminder of the gospel of how my sins are as far as the East is from the West and, and for completely forgotten. And this is something that any shame or guilt that is brought up in me, that is something that needs to be healed in me that either the enemy's bringing up or just old thinking patterns. And just a lot of encouragement and reminders of, again, mm -hmm. the gospel, who I am now, who I am today. And just knowing that when I was pregnant with Caleb, that eight-week mark, that's when I got the abortion in 2012. Mm. Just talking to my counselor and talking to people and knowing it's okay. 
that you're feeling this again. It's okay that it feels like you're reliving your trauma. And that was hard. That was hard to, to think, okay, this was the time that I decided to give up my, my firstborn. And I think that realizing how I could never, ever go and make that choice again with where mm -hmm. I was at is, is also how telling is of how different I was in the mm -hmm. past from now. Well, I know that brokenness is one of those catalysts that do changes forever. And the beauty of brokenness is the fact that it's God's grace and his mercy that gives us the strength to go forward and not to go forward with reminders of how bad something was, even though, you know, we learn lessons from that. But every person in the Bible that you read were broken and they use that brokenness in one way or another to do God's will. So I encourage you to continue to move forward. There's so many many women you. out there that just cannot get over the mistake that they made. So if you had a room of women who were post-abortive, what would you say to them? How would you minister to them about the decision they made and where they are today? Well, first I would share the gospel and say, is anyone here not, <laughs> not saved? And, and this is, this is how you can start to have peace. This is how you can start to, because it's, so, it's just so beautiful because it's nothing that we do right now, all of where I am today is all because of the blood of Christ, all because of his righteousness. And it's a free gift, not anything that I can do or boast of. And so I would start with that. And then I would start to just, yeah, encourage the women. This is not, you are not defined by the mistakes that you made. Yes, there are repercussions and this is a lifelong healing process, but then beginning to tell them that they need to start bringing this to the light. They need to start, well, first of all, you need to start praying about this. Mm -hmm. You need to go to a counselor. You need to go to counseling. It's imperative to go to counseling. And a lot of people have opinions about counseling, but a, an unbiased party that is, you know, I would, of course, would say a Christian, an unbiased Christian party that can talk you through this and that is experienced that can talk to you about what's going on. That's important. So I would do that. And then from there, just, yeah, nailing in that they're, they are not defined by today, by what they did then. And that this is what's so beautiful about the Gospels that says it even playing field is that if the worst person in our standards in the whole world gave their life to Christ, their sins would be forgiven just as much as the next person that lied the day before they gave their life to Christ. There is no measuring or depth of our sins that are worse than another in the eyes of Christ. Yes, each one can be more hurtful or it can take a longer healing process. I think that this would take longer than a friend of mine who lied to their spouse. There's certain repercussions, but you know, what's the standard? Are you good enough? But Christ makes it an even playing field. So that's what I think I would really focus on with them and encourage them to pray and start to expose it and start to share with others. Well, I have to admit, you know, for a man, I was really encouraged, as I said earlier. One of the things I've really appreciated about Pastor Walt McFadden is the fact that he has talked many times about the wounds that people carry in their lives. And they come to church or they come to small group every week and they carry these same wounds with them. And, and I think in many women's lives, this is a wound and they need to be able to talk to someone like yourself, pray with somebody like yourself, but get to the point 
point where they can see God's grace and God's forgiveness. I hope that everyone who has had an abortion would come to healing because it's a real stumbling block in their life. I've come across women already that try to just shove it away. Like, okay, get, yep, I know God has forgiven me. Let's move on. Because it's hard with your with your wounds. I believe that the Lord has to kind of dig up the infection in order to bring healing. And to what extent that is, only God knows. But it needs to happen, especially, I know, especially with that one. And it's a hard one to visit because most Christian women, I would say they agree. Yes, they agree that abortion is is murder. And so to come to terms with that decision, to have to go through healing and that to have to go through maybe some seasons of guilt and shame and dealing with lies and confronting them with the truth is a hard and painful process. People don't want to deal with their wounds. They would rather carry them than to get healed. And and it festers. Time does not heal all. God moving in the wounds and digging them up is what heals all. And so I think that that's a worldly saying that really people say is like, you know, if I just kind of shove this under the rug, it's going to go away. And so please just like, to, yeah, I would say to women and to others that have been through this and just to helping others. Again, first is number one is prayer, but encourage people to deal with this. This is something that you cannot shove under the rug. It has to be confronted. Well, Liz, thanks so much. I appreciate your time to come and think out loud on the podcast today. And uh, I'm sure we'll post this and I'm sure you'll probably get more inquiries on what you even had to say today. This podcast is generated by those who believe there is another alternative to what our culture teaches and thinks. We believe the truth that people want to hear is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. So when we talk about abortion, we really want to think about who's involved. It's not just the baby. It's not just the loss of a child. Abortion is also negatively affecting women. Women suffer psychological, emotional, and spiritual effects of abortion, and sometimes even physical effects that often can last not just years, but decades. And she'll go through a lot of pain and anguish from this abortion as well as family members around her who may also suffer the loss of their grandchild, a sibling, or niece or nephew. For people who have suffered from abortion, there's absolutely a path toward hope and healing from the abortion. There are many, many people out there who will recognize your loss and, and help you to heal. Eventually, you may be called to actually share the story with others and this can be an incredibly powerful witness to not only the life of the child that you've lost, but also a way of, of sharing the hope that you now have. The Bible is true and it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. I would encourage a woman having, still having continuing guilt about past wrong decision, mistaken decision to have an abortion, to uh, believe that verse. Have you confessed that sin to God, acknowledged that it was wrong? His word says he is faithful to forgive you your sins. And it's a matter of just trusting him now that he, he has forgiven your sin. And there's no doubt sadness and, and regret, but the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He forgives our sins and we go on. It probably is true that in many cases, a woman who has had an abortion will feel more deeply the sorrow that others feel. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort with, with which we have been comforted by God. And so I would encourage a woman in that position to rest in God's forgiveness for the wrong that was done. And also perhaps pray that she may have opportunity to talk to others who have a similar situation and be able to encourage them and perhaps pray for them to rest in and be thankful for God's complete and total forgiveness. I want to thank Liz Tater for coming today and telling her story, appreciate her time and her honesty and her candor on the issue of abortion in her life. This is Thinking Out Loud. Pastor Walt McFadden will be back next time for another Thinking Out Loud conversation. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org.